You got 19 dead, you got hundreds more infected, and it's spreading like a brush fire. You gotta isolate the sick, and I mean really isolate them, Billy. We gotta get everybody else back into the houses. We gotta keep them there. We're doing that, Sam. No, we're not doing it because I just drove through 100 people. And if one of them has got it, then 10 of them have got it. And if one of them gets out of Cedar Creek, Billy, then we're in deep fucking shit. Hello there, different timers. This is Paul Podcast. I am solo and I am doing this podcast purely because Daniel is self-isolating, I'm self-isolating, and would you believe it, Daniel's left all his mic gear around here uh, where we would normally meet up to record. At the end of this show, I will be putting on the Insane Clown Posse Part 2 discussion me and Daniel had, so you'll still hear his voice You'll still hear his delicate tones. But yeah, at the moment, we're a bit screwed. Like when I mentioned, um, do you want to do the, the podcast remotely to him? He hadn't even thought about it. Uh, his wife, Danny Different's wife, sorry, Danny Different, his wife, she works for the NHS. Uh, and obviously, times are very, very stressful there. So uh, if you know him on Facebook, uh, which is the only place he really goes on social media, then, you know, send him your love uh, and his wife and kids and, yeah, hope they get through it unscathed. It's a weird one. I know so many hundreds and hundreds of people through where I work on a day-to-day basis uh, with both jobs that I do, one in artist management, and I've come across zero people that actually have it. Uh, I know that is about to change and I'm really scared. I really don't want anyone that I know and I love uh, to, to get this thing. And it's creeping up. I don't trust the government. I feel really, really spooked by it all. I don't believe anything that I read uh, on any of the social medias, but also I don't really believe what I'm looking at on the news. And when Boris talks, oh, it just makes me do a sick in my mouth. So yeah, I'm utterly confused. I'm a little frightened. And if you girls and guys out there are feeling a little bit the same, a little bit like me, uh, you know, my heart goes out to you because it's it's horrible time. It's really horrible. Oh, such a fluky thing is that employed to serve and also ohms. We finished our tours right at the time before it broke. So we were lucky enough to sort of make uh, money as a band to see us through. So it meant that we've got enough to finish our album now and get it all mixed and mastered and get it out to you, which is something I'm so happy about, so relieved about. And there are so many millions of bands out there that we're not so fortunate. Like, obviously, by the time you hear this, there's nothing going on live, nothing at all anywhere in the world. Over the over the days when it all first started happening and bands were dropping out of tours, uh, festivals were closing down, it's been a real game change, that's for sure. With all the bands that I manage, there, there's other ways around it. There's other ways to do things. And it doesn't just mean throwing a live show online. Uh, there is so much that you can do. And if you're in a band and you you're, you were had a little bit of an income from it, uh, like us, like nothing to shout home about, but enough to keep your band running, like don't despair. Like get everyone in their isolation to get right in. You know, 
make the best album you possibly can when this stuff is finished. Uh, I, I know that like in September, October, November, December, when all these tours start happening again, it is going to absolutely flood the market. Like the, there's going to be shows in London, for instance, that are just going to be so underattended because everybody is booked everywhere. Uh, I know this is a fact because homes are part of the problem. Um, we 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 are doing our album release show for an album that comes out, I think, late June. Uh, we're doing that in September. So this is just going to be the weirdest time in the music business. Uh, and I know in the scheme of things, the music business is nothing uh, compared to any loved ones dying or anything. But, you know, it's been my life for three decades. And it's something that I live with on a day-to-day -day basis. It's all I think about. I'm absolutely obsessed with music uh, and also horror movies. And, and you know, that it goes beyond hobbies it's obsessions like and i also have an outside life i've got uh, my wife and i've got my dog and that brings me round to why i've had hardly any time at the moment uh, to do these podcasts and to sort of keep it going so it's not going to be like it used to be i'm afraid for the time being anyway it's not going to be weekly it's going to be whenever i can get this together uh, i also do the holy raw podcast and i've had like 3 different interviews all lined up and all of them have dropped out a lot of them were meeting face to face uh, and also the ones on the phone just have fallen through people have got a lot more important issues to be dealing with so that's it i don't really want to talk anymore about this uh, horrible covid19 uh, malarks you are dealing with it every day as i am um tomorrow oh they will say one thing tomorrow i have got to do a shop of some sort and I'm proper bricking it I'm I am gonna be uh, wearing some gloves I'm gonna be um, wrapping my face up and I know if you read some of the uh, the information online it's saying that's not gonna help you dude just don't touch your face and sanitize yourself and don't touch anyone and keep social distancing but uh, I, just, I don't know I just think it's a lot worse than that <laughs> <laughs> I'm proper scared and I only need a few essentials but man it is essentials because uh, the way the way we eat we cook stuff from scratch and uh, like that <laughs> we're running out of everything we are down to like freezer food now like we've uh, we've gone through Linda McCartney sausages burgers uh, uh, it's, all, it's all going to shit man it's all going to shit anyway that's boring sorry about that Nobody cares about that shit. Let's talk about some music. Paul, he's getting dressed. He can't find a t-shirt. Paul, what you gonna wear? Will it be a large t-shirt? Mr. Puggles, what do you think, Mr. Puggles? So this is already, already a little bit out of date, man. Uh, and I'm sorry about that, but I've got opinions and uh, some of them uh, about albums that everybody already knows. So the first one is Code Orange underneath. Now this came out a few weeks ago. Everybody has an opinion on it in the metal world. Uh, usually it's a five out of five. This is amazing opinion. Well, that's what's going on on my social media feeds anyway and amongst my friends. But uh, I find it really difficult uh, to know what to make of it. Uh, I force myself to listen to it a fair bit. Um, it's something. It's a style of music that I don't usually 
love. And I, I must admit, I've listened to this since it's come out five times. So I've not listened to it a bunch, a bunch of times on and on and on again. But then I only really want to do that with music that I love. Uh, and stuff has to grab me pretty quickly to pull me in. I sort of like it, to be honest. I just don't love it. Like, nothing grabbed me at all, save for the title track. Uh, it's such an onslaught as well, from, like, the front to back, with all these glitchy, cutting electronic parts. Uh, as a whole, it just comes across to me as, like, a band trying too hard to impress. You know what I mean? They're just trying so hard to be, like, edgy and forward-thinking. But I think some of that quality control in the songs themselves ha has been lost and you know they can do it um, from a couple of tracks on the previous album and a couple of tracks on this album that is possible. I just don't know. And it's not as if they've rushed it because it's clearly taken an incredibly long time to put this together. Uh, but still, when you hand me a band uh, like Carbomb and I stick that stuff on and then I listen to this, Carbomb just seems to me... Uh, to be much more of the real deal, like a genuine article. Carbomb uh, seems to flow much better to me as an album. Uh, and although, like, I'm maybe, I know, 40 listens into Carbomb rather than just five, like, instantly I knew Carbomb was going to be an album that I loved. Uh, that new Carbomb one, sorry. Uh, I can't just say Carbomb because that's the band's name. Um, yeah, and, and you can tell Carbomb, they try hard as well. Uh, but they just don't come across in that way. It comes across naturally. Uh, it comes across uh, as in when you finish that record, you just think, oh my God, what have I just sat through? But you want to go back to it and sit through it again. With this one, you just go, I just need a break from it, from all the glitch and all these electronic elements that they've just thrown in. To me, it's like they know exactly what works and they've just over-utilised everything that works uh, to the point where they've stopped making it work. Um, as I say, though, I sound like I really hate it. I don't. It's just all right to me. It's okay. Uh, I, I like to go back to it on random, but listening to the whole thing, fuck that. I ain't got the time. And as a final thought, admittedly, uh, someone to me who has a pretty untrained ear for these things uh, with bands like Code Orange, the, that track, Last One's Left, uh, uh, sounds like, to me, to me anyway, to me, like Slipknot uh, are playing a new track uh, with a, just a telephone ringing during the verses. I just don't, what, what, I don't like it. I don't like that. I do not like it, and also I don't like that. Next band is a band on Earache rather than Roadrunner. Uh, their, their new album is called Common Sense Holiday. It's a band called Haggard Cat. They are a two-piece from Nottingham. And I really didn't like the, the band they were in way, way, way ago called Baby Godzilla. But when, I, when they went, they went because of the name, I think it was. They had to drop the name Baby Godzilla because of the word Godzilla. And maybe babies got angry and they had to stop using Baby Godzilla. Uh, they changed their name to Heck. And for some reason, I really enjoyed Heck. I watched them live at Heavy one time. I think we went on just before them in my band, Ohms. We went on before them. And I saw a ladder next to the stage. And I knew a little bit about them. And I thought, oh, here we go. Um, and even though a lot of this stuff was 
prepped and there already because you know this band's going to go mental. They've got the rep for it and they've got all the little props around like the speaker cabs to jump on and throw about and they've got like the ladders and God knows what else to make a mess of the live performance and the crowds and all sorts of things. Even though that part of it was staged, it didn't fucking matter. Heck were vital, I think. Heck were vital at that point in my life. Like, just a band injecting fun. Um, and on their album, like they, they had this reputation, uh, as did Baby Godzilla, for just being a great live band, but where are the songs? And Heck, to me, fit into that sort of uh, very late 90s, very early noughties noise scene. Uh, it, you would easily plop them in there. Um, which I think is why I liked them so much. And there was a couple of sing-alongs as well. So, yeah, yeah, there we go. But with Haggard Cat, again, this is just two of the guys. I forget their names, which is awful, because I speak to them every now and again. Um, so I'm really sorry about that. But this is the first album to come from them, if, if they've only been in Baby Godzilla and Heck, that I actually completely rate. As I say, it's called Common Sense Holiday. Again, only five listens in. So I'm no expert, but this is real bare bones rock plus tunes, which is the key here. There are sing-alongs all over the place. There are a, a really cool riffs, uh, and they're not thick. They're not sludgy. This is riffs like uh, like maybe in the White Stripes, and by that I'm not just saying oh they're a two-piece, Haggard Cat are a two-piece, so that's where I'm going. It's just because those riffs. In the white stripes, they were great riffs. They were they were great melodies, but it was one distorted guitar playing them, just like it is here. And if there is overdubs of on this record, like tons and tons of overdubs, I know there'd be a couple here and there. But if there is tons, I can't pick it up, um, and I can't pick up anything that's annoying and comes across as fake. Uh, when you've got like two two man band and like fifteen instruments going on. So, yeah, there's nothing like that. It is just balls to the wall. And I'm going to say this, and I'm sorry to say this, alternative rock, and I love it. And as I say, the, the key with it is these hooks that are dotted about, and I really can't wait to see them live. I'm freaking excited. I know that at some point soon we're going to do a little tour with them, hopefully in Ireland. Uh, so I'm going to get to see them every night. Uh, and on the song for me right now, and if you haven't heard them, the one that I would recommend to you just to, to kick it off is a song called Cheat. It's got this incredible middle eight with a sax, uh, honestly, with a sax that takes the song uh, and the whole album, uh, in fact, to a, a place that I didn't expect, like an extra little ping. <laughs>
sort of thing that you just don't expect and it's there. Pearl also is a great song. Um, it's much the same where there is some great dual guitar lead playing. I'm not sure how that was done, uh, but it really complements the song, uh, which otherwise would have just been a uh, sort of a great punk bash, you know. But like when they do these little things, it adds so much more. Uh, negatives, I did write something down here. Let me little scroll up here. Uh, negatives, this is what I wrote. I would have knocked a song off it and have the thing come in under 40 minutes. So there we go. The only thing that I can think of here, negative, is that it's longer than 40 minutes. And if you know anything about me, you know that I like my concerts to be 25 minutes to 30 minutes long. That's it. I don't want to see a band any longer than that. I'm quite happy. And for an album, I don't want it to be coming in over 40 minutes unless it's a double album unless you've got a fucking reason to do that so yeah there we go that's my first recommend in fact haggard cat and common sense holiday on earache okay so those two they're the biggies uh yeah i would say they're the biggies but there's still another three that i want to talk to you about um so these are just sort of recommendations of what I've been listening to over the past few weeks. In fact, this week there is so much good stuff that's being released on Friday, uh, which is probably a couple of days after you hear this, that this is sort of bang out of date. But really, I don't know how many people will have picked these bands up. So yeah, so far, uh, the obvious choice being Code Orange. After that, Haggard Cat. Uh, and now there's another one. Now this band is insanely, insanely heavy. They're a French noise metal band called Fange. F for Freddy, A-N-G-E. Uh, and their album, their new album, it's called Pudeur. P-U-D-E-U-R. Yeah, I'm not French, so I don't know. Uh, I'm also uh, ignorant and probably arrogant. Um, their last album, I flipping loved it. Their last album was called Paneer. Uh, which I think is maybe an Indian dish. Um, and that was from 2019, so that's not too long ago. Uh, and I thought maybe this was a bit too soon to be following that up, because uh, I'm still listening to Paneer, or Paneer, Paneer, no, Paneer. Uh, yeah, I'm still listening to that. Uh, but no, no, this this has come out, and it's not just a, a short EP or anything, it's like a full-length album. And where this is sort of, different and where I'm struggling to engage with it uh, a little bit more than I was their debut or the one before this is the there's a mad industrial vibe to this one um, it's ridiculously heavy and it is ridiculously heavy all the time um, imagine Godflesh but with real drums uh, so Godflesh at the most heaviest uh, that's how that's feeling to me and I'll tell you what when you finish listening to it it feels like you've been through the ringer. It's really a mean-spirited feel of an album. I don't know if that's the what they were trying to get across, but it's, it's so utterly abrasive in its nature and its like musical palette that honestly, you feel like you've been through it after you finish listening. <laughs>
Um, yeah, I keep coming back to it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know why because I don't really enjoy it, but like, there's something about Fange that's sort of addictive. Uh, so you know, when stuff's bad for you and you keep going back to it, maybe that's Fange. Uh, and I, they're probably not even called Fange. They're probably called Fang. Um, but yeah, F A N G E. One thing I'd like to point out about Fange or Fang. Uh, before I finish with them, is I think the thing that makes me addicted is these crusty blackened vocals uh, that are, are on it. Now, I normally do not like uh, blackened vocals, but when they give you that crusty vibe, when they give you that more hopeless vibe about them, that's, that's what I like. Uh, it's really desolate. It's really, really not nice. Uh, that's Fange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, uh, like write these down, write these down, is a band called Heat. Um, this is the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, H dot E dot A dot T dot Heat. And the album is called Heat 2. Um, as in the first album by Heat was called Heat. Then they released a load of other albums with some actual names for the title. And now they've gone and released Heat 2. So this one. Do you like the band Europe? Yeah, that, that Europe. Yeah, the final countdown. If you like that band, well, imagine that after they released the final countdown LP, they released this awesome album called Out of This World. Uh, yeah, I like I like Europe. So, out of this world, after that, it was still okay, but it wasn't as good. It wasn't as out of this world. Well, Heat 2, for me, is an extension of that out of this world album. It's like Europe have got their youth back. They're full of vigour. They are hungry. They want it really bad again. This is what Heat 2 sounds like. But if you are that way inclined, that you would potentially even like a band that sound like Europe then you'd know about this, I think, because they recently sold out the garage in London. So, although that's probably not going to go ahead, that's for sure. Uh, it's just joyous classic rock. Not too cock rocky either. Uh, the cheese is purely from the fact that this is really old school and old hat, rather than them being sexist chumps like, like the if you actually listen to proper cock rock from back in the day. Uh, yeah, where, where it's just every other line is about cherry pies and um, grinding and putting things in fireplaces. Uh, yeah, so it's not, not that. It's just fucking joyous. Joyous classic rock is the best way I could say it. Like, you could dip anywhere in here into this album and you will be happy about it. There's not a negative. Uh, if any of what I've said uh, is is uh appealing to you then just go for it but i'm gonna play a little bit of a song called dangerous ground just so you get a bit of a gist
negative, I can give you a bit of a negative. Like, if you think sometimes when you hear bands that sound like a Transformers cartoon theme, uh, some like early 90s cartoon uh, theme, for, <laughs> then you might not like it. There's a, a song called Adrenaline on here, which does get a tad annoying at some points, but never as much to the point where I go, I'm not listening to this, I'm going to turn it off. Uh, that's Heat. I want to finish with a recommendation from last year. Now, this is nothing to do with this year, uh, but I have been listening and listening and listening and can't get enough. Uh, this is more of your indie rock or just indie, uh, maybe even a bit folky. It's Aldous Harding. Aldous is spelled A-L-D-O-U-S and Harding is how you would imagine it's spelt. So she is from New Zealand and even though she didn't make my top 10 last year, uh, if I was to do my top 10 this week, she'd be battling it out for the number one spot with Carbomb. Honestly, her album is called The Designer uh, from last year. Uh, and I would also check out Party from 2017. Uh, they're both on 4AD and I would say you can, yeah, you definitely can. They're both on Spotify or whatever platform that you stream from. Definitely give her a go. It's folk music, fair. But there's so much more enjoyable than the the current crop of sort of metal approved female stars that are currently uh, doing the rounds, like with the dark witchy folk vibe. Um, you know the exact type I'm talking about. Uh, this is more folk than that, okay? So if that sort of scares you, and you're thinking like the likes of um, the biggest I can think of is Chelsea Wolf. If you think like she's like, oh come on that's not metal, I'm not having that, then you're not going to like Aldous Harding. But like she's, Aldous is very witchy, it's very danceable, but in a spooky witch way. <laughs> I would recommend watching the three videos uh, that I'm about to say to get exactly what I mean about this. So check out the videos to The Barrel, uh, check out the video to Blend, and check out the video to Zoo Eyes. They're my recommendations for Aldous Harding. Honestly, if you're into folk in any way, uh, not traditional folk, but just modern uh, 4AD type stuff, then bloody fuck, this this woman is simply incredible. And that's about it. As I say, there is a lot uh, going on right now with regards to Danny Different, but I will endeavour to get this microphone to him somehow, even if it's like a, a, like a drug deal drop-off where I have to leave it somewhere for him to come and pick it up. Uh, <laughs> that will happen okay we'll be back to you as soon as possible in in the meantime though i'll try and get as many of these out personally that i can uh, enjoy yourself listening to this next fucking horrible segment this is insane clown posse this is me and daniel talking about uh, a, f a few of their albums maybe two i don't know uh, a couple of their albums a few weeks back all right see you soon and be safe So here we are again. This is Different Times Podcast, as you well know, because you've heard the intro bit. Uh, this is our second part 
of Insane Clown Posse. We are talking about some six Joker cards, wild cards. Joker's cards. Joker's cards. Uh, we're on cards three and four this week. Fucking hell, look at me, Dan. And Dan is looking at me like he's going to punch me because he's been listening to all this thuggy rap. It's um, not thuggy. Like, I, I, I listened a lot more uh, over the past few weeks, and I must admit, I was painting them with a bad brush last time. <laughs> um, I accused them of being a little bit, uh, not, not racist, although I did use the word racist. Racist, yeah. And they're not particularly, like there's uh, just an odd word here and there, but like it's, if you were to think like Eminem and you were taking that the wrong way, this is not as offensive to me as that. Like, so yeah, I was wrong. Let's talk about them. So we move on to Riddlebox, the third album, uh, released October the 10th, 1995 on Battery Records, which is a subsidiary of Jive Records. Uh, that Major. Major. That mainly focus on dance music. Now, Battery Records has got a very small and strange roster. The only other band of any note is Rednecks. What? Do you remember them? Cotton yeah. Eye Joe. Jesus. Um, and another artist called Tampera that I've never heard of. No. You never, they like released one thing. So yeah, this Battery Records didn't last very long. Island Records also had their fingers in the pie on this one. All right. Uh, and their own label, Psychopathic Records. That sounds a bit more like an insane clown posse's street. <laughs> yeah. This is the third card. Um in the dark carnival mythology. Uh, this was the first Insane Clown Posse in which the group worked with studio vocalist and guitarist Rich Murrell, I think you pronounce it, um, who then went on to work with the ICP through the rest of their career under the name of Legs Diamond. Legs Diamond? Yep. Lovely. Uh, Legs was in a well-named band uh, called... <laughs> you know the term coup d'etat? Uh, never heard of coup d'etat. No, sorry, you know the saying, coup d'etat. No. Am I being uncouth? It's a saying, anyway, his <laughs> It's a saying, anyway. You know what a coup is? Like yeah. a military coup. Yeah. So yeah. coup d'etat of the day. All right, okay. Um, so it's like what's fashionable at the moment. Right, okay. This is getting way too deep for something little and jokey. So <laughs> he's in a band. <laughs> There's a saying, coup d'etat, and he's in a band called who Detroit because he's from Detroit mm-hmm. that was supposed to be a little snigger but uh, oh so, sorry did I ruin it yeah anyway okay. he eventually left this band and joined uh, Psychopathic Records and plays on other bands on Psychopathic Records like Twisted oh uh, god you bought Twisted I love that album Most Tasteless it's mm. fucking incredible play a bit of Twisted Paul I'm gonna tell you something straightforward nine times out of ten the people that you look up to I look it down on you. Never forget that. Now come on, go. Donald Trump told us all that it's never too pushy to walk up to a woman and just grab him out of pussy. Harvey Weinstein said that he's been doing it for years. He even got himself a slogan, suck my dick for careers. Louis C.K. told us one time, this is how you do it. I tell them if they fuck me, then I put them in my movies. Here comes Kevin Spacey, said he made a mistake. Well, what you call a mistake? We just call it rape. And this might make you feel awkward, even uncomfortable. But let's all raise a glass for good old Cliff Huxley. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't know where to start. 
turning on the lights of the monsters in the dark. That was twisted. Let's continue. <laughs> uh, Jive Records Senior Vice President of Artists and Repertoire, Jeff Fenster, had told Insane Clown Posse in no uncertain terms that it must not be more than one hour long. When the group turned in the album, it was 70 minutes and 40 seconds long, and Fenster was furious. Um, Violent J told him, don't worry, a lot of it's skints, uh, sk- skits skits, and not music and convinced him that the album length wasn't going to be a problem. But would you argue with a psychopathic man wearing clown makeup? I would not argue with any of them. Uh, right, the Riddle Box himself. If you've seen the front cover, the little... Uh-huh. Yeah, he's one of the entities that is used to determine uh, the fate of the dead upon death. So your soul enters the dark chamber containing the jack-in-the-box, which is the riddle box, uh, on an old wooden table. The box has a painted question mark, sort of faded with time on it, Yeah. on the front of the box, um, representing the mystery of your own afterlife. As the handle turns, a melodic tune begins to play, and when the music stops, the choice is made. The pure sea of vision of God warming their souls as they enter eternal peace. The wicked see an immense fog seeping from the box, stripping their sanity as they witness an image of hell spawned and formed from their own evil. So you can either be pure or okay. wicked. And the riddle box is going to tell you which which one you are. Harsh. Um, no middle ground. No middle ground. No, there's not a like, what's it if you've like been a bit bad? Um, you've been seasoned. <laughs> uh, my next bit here is uh, that I've scripted. Says uh, you said about ICP being racist last week. Mm, mentioned well, it. This is where they blatantly lay down their openly anti-racist lyrics uh, and themes on the song "Chicken Hunting," which is about going out hunting for racist rednecks. Brilliant. Did you listen to it? No. <laughs> uh, Two of my favourite Insane Clown Posse songs were actually cut from this record and released later on an LP called Forgotten Freshness. Okay. Freshness. 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 One and two. Did you did you listen to that just as a side piece? Uh, no, but what were the songs? They were Fat Sweaty Betty and Willy Bubba about a little redneck that they beat up at school for just being a redneck. I listened up to Cemetery Girl, so I've gone one... Uh, one track one to number track seven. So I did listen to Chicken Hunting. That's one of their sort of most famous songs. Is it now, yeah. Daniel? Who's going chicken hunting? That's you. We's going chicken oh, hunting. Oh, sorry. Uh, for me, this album is a little unsure of itself. It hasn't got the uh, youthful, no-fuck-giving energy of the last two albums. The rawness of Carnival of Carnage and Ringmaster. It's and it hasn't quite got the over the top bombast of Great Milenko that comes next. The, I think with the first two albums, they were literally punks on the streets, like with nothing to lose and like didn't give a fuck. 
Yeah, I, I get that. It sounds raw and it and yeah, like they and don't know what they're doing. All of a sudden, they're being better produced. They're being told by other people, "You can't do this. You can't do that." But they've also been told by other people that you're awesome. Like they've finally got yes men and things like that, and fans, a yeah, fan base. That's, what, that's why I think it it feels unsure of itself. They're playing to bigger crowds, obviously, like you're saying, people are loving them. But then their two kids are, who aren't used to be told what to do. We'll do the fuck what we want. We're the fucking wicked clowns. Uh, but here, they're making concessions. And but the story gets much more interesting with uh, The Great Malenko, the next album. Uh, my favourite song on this LP is Toy Box, about a kid who makes murderous toys and takes them to school for show and tell. Uh, could I do some of the lyrics? Please. I was like six. I used to get dissed by the chicks and everyone would chase me and hit me with bricks and rocks and sticks and call me names and fill my lunchbox with frog brains. Ugh. I was like six. I used to get When I left school, it was much iller. My daddy was a serial killer. And how about that? He always made me sit in the back with all his dead bodies on my lap. When I got home, enough of the static. Hammer and tools went up to the attic. Never knew any other girls or boys. Only my toys. 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 Bang, clang, hammer and twist. Nobody knows I exist. And I'm pissed. But I won't be mentally scarred. Instead I make toys. Toys of the graveyard. Monday. Ring of the bell. It's all about show and tell. Might as well show these bastards just what I got. Yo. Check out my toy box. The songs like Kill Him. Yeah. It's quite funny and ironic. Well, Daniel, played a bit of that. The audience has listened to a bit of that. They've heard your recital. And, it was a recital, it wasn't was. it? Um, and uh, I spent the best part of a whole week listening to the wrong album. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I only listened to seven tracks. What did you listen to? I listened to the bloody, the next one, The Great Malenko. I didn't realise Riddlebox was like the next one. So, yeah, I, so I apologise to people for that. Um, I listened to the sat, this track called 12, which is on this correct album. That's near the end, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I listened to that a lot. Um, I'm going to play you a little bit of that. Family. 
my only major issue here is the flow. Um, I've got a funny feeling that I was starting to come round to to the the music. I, I hate their rapping so much. I know it's <laughs> a big part of them. It's the main part. But the music is really good. It's creepy and basic and very, as I said last time around, the fairground stuff isn't just fairground. It's Rob Zombie weird fairground spookiness. Even though it's dead simple, I love listening to it. It's produced, especially on this album, like you say, so much better than the ones before it. So yeah, I think so far it's the best ICP that I've heard. Whether I would recommend it to anyone, well, I, I wouldn't, let's say that, but... Would you not recommend it to someone because you'd be afraid of what they'd think of you for listening to it? No, the, no, because, as I say, I really don't like their, their rapping. Uh, I don't know if it gets better later on, but I've only got two albums to go after this week uh, but I think it's really awkward uh, like their their flow it's like they're not rappers and they're just having a go at it sort of thing and that's what they, they think rap might sound like maybe they haven't got like a natural rhythm inside themselves I don't, are, I don't know they are white that is true <laughs> they are white well they're clowns um, but yeah I just find their, their, their actual vocabulary and the way they pronounce words, really, really mundane. There were some awkward rhymes in there today. I was reading through, I think it was for the next album, but it said, I was reading through the lyrics on um, one of these websites where you type in the band's name. Yeah, and, it yeah. lyrics, and it says, and I never really understood what it was saying. It says, and then it takes the form of the devil. I reached from the sky and beat it with a shovel. And it was like, I never knew what a shovel was. I thought, like, I don't know. But he's just, it's the, it means shovel, but he's just said shovel, so it rhymes with devil. Yeah, there we go. I mean, that says a lot. That's quality rapping. <laughs> right, same, very same week, this is what we were listening to. So we weren't listening to Insane Clown Posse when this came out. No. So we were listening to Mr. Bungled and their Disco Violente album, and I admit I was initially really disappointed with it. I wanted more of that early Mr. Bungle stuff, and that's not what I was getting. I didn't hear Mr. Bungle too much. What about Green Day's Insomniac came out the same day? I'm having trouble trying to sleep. Rocket from the Crypt, Scream, Dracula, Scream came out the same day. Brilliant album. I mean, come on. We've got more. Millencolin, Life on a Plate came out the same day. I've been listening to that recently. Any listeners out there who haven't heard Life on a Plate, download the song Story of My Life. It is just the greatest pop punk. Too fucking right. Final album that come out the same day? No doubt, Tragic Kingdom. I had that, saw him live. <laughs> Boom. Had a t-shirt. Like, what a bloody week. That's a good week. Yeah, that is a good week. Uh, but that's my favourite thing about this album, is the albums that came out on the same day. Uh, I'm really struggling with this, Daniel. Bring it on for the next one, which I listened to plenty of, plenty of times. Great Malenko. Yes. This is the one that made me a juggalo. <laughs> Brilliant. You certainly are. <laughs> uh, weirdly, usually I can remember where I got an album from and where I first read about the band. Like, you know, t- I can remember reading the article about Corn in Kerrang and like Limp Biscuit, and then going out and finding those albums and like you know I got Corn's album in our price in Ramsgate I remember it yeah. really vividly but I have no memory 
of where I heard about the Insane Clown Posse or where I bought it from. All I can remember is being in the car with Jamie Thompson listening to it when we were going to our old manager, band manager, Carl's house. All right, yeah. And yeah. sitting outside and not wanting to get out of the car and go into band practice because we were listening to Insane Clown Posse and just loving it and laughing and being little boys and giggling. Was it because Eminem would slag them off and like Eminem no, was huge? Was this later on? In Soundcloth, Insane, Insane Clown Posse, before I knew Eminem, I'm sure. Mm. It had to be from one of our magazines and we got like, it would either have been Rock Sound, Metal Hammer or Kerrang. Maybe it was Kerrang and I saw a picture of them and just thought, yeah, that's a bit of me. Crazy clowns trucking Fago over each other. But yeah, I cannot remember where I bought it. Well, this, as you say, was my introduction to him as well, uh, hanging around with you in the car. Um, you listened to it a lot. It sort of overtook from 311 and Sublime, which was like on constant rotation in your car. Um, Daniel, take us through a little bit of The Great Malenko. Um, well, this LP's got a lot more rock vibe to it, and as soon as you put it on and it kicks in, it's a, a lot more in your face, a lot more aggressive a lot more spiteful in its tone. It's not all um, being silly and killing rednecks like in the previous album. There's a lot more actually pointing the finger at people and saying, you're a fucking piece of shit. The rapping's more confident. Yeah. Yeah, the lyrics are, yeah, agreed. Um, a lot of cool people on this album as well. Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols plays guitar on it. He's almost cool. Slash from Guns N' Roses plays guitar on it. He's never not been cool. Alice Cooper, he's on it. He's ice cool. <laughs> uh, LP originally released by Hollywood Records. Um, and it was literally uh, immediately recalled and deleted. Why? Because um, Hollywood Records is owned by Disney. Oh, right, okay. So Disney stuck their face in a lot originally uh, and got a lot of songs taken off and made them... You know, they keep using the word chicken and you think that's an odd... Yeah. Like, I'm going to go kill a chicken. Because um, they were using the word bigot so much. They said you're saying bigot too much. So they changed all the bigots to chickens. Right. Um, so on songs like Chicken Hunting, it should have been bigot hunting. Right. But they, they thought that was too aggressive and in your face too on the nose yeah uh and they reckon it was an oversight and it got missed that this album came out and was related to disney on one of its subsidiaries uh, but it more likely is the fact that there was a southern uh, the southern baptist church had already been digging at disney for being turning immoral and against its family values because they put out the ellen show when Ellen was a confirmed lesbian. Yep, she came out on that show. Yeah, and they had uh, gay days at Disneyland. And obviously, being what it is, the ba Southern Baptist Church like hated that. So, And because it had a lot of sway being in the South, like a lot, they didn't want a lot of people to stop liking Disney and going to Disneyland yeah, and buying yeah. all the Disney products, which if the ch church said Disney's you know, turning against its family values. That's what they would do. So suddenly this comes out, whether it's been like missed or they were just, because it's on a subsidiary, like yeah, they, maybe yeah. they thought no one would notice. And the church picks up the phone uh, and then all of a sudden it's like 
get this fucking shit off the shelves. <laughs> like, and to the insane clown posse, they were actually at a record store signing when they found out. Uh, and the owner was like, we've got to get rid of you. Uh, you've got to go. You've got to take the records back. We're not allowed to sell them anymore. And they were just like, no, fuck it. We're selling them anyway. Um, 100,000 copies, which is not a lot, is it? When you think about it. In the big scheme of things. No, uh, were shipped. 18,000 had already been sold when the announcement came out. It had already sold enough to get to position 63 on the billboard charts. Many shops refused to return their their copies. A 25-strong uh, chain called Harmony House, based in Michigan, refused to send it back. They're 1,700 copies. Uh, so there are copies of this deleted original pressing yeah well it's all cds i think yeah so yeah that insane clown posse fucks your album how would you feel like your albums come out and the same day it's like nope that's not coming out get it all back how did you get a copy fucking fired off the label because it got i didn't have the original copy the original release um immediately like literally the next day i think it was interscope called them up uh, and Geffen immediately contacted them as well to say, we've heard what's happened like through the, the industry grapevine. We have fucking loved to put you out. You know, I could see them on Geffen. They had a lot of um, sort of more obtuse artists. On, didn't yeah, they? yeah, they, were, they weren't too shy of, uh, of getting in trouble. No. Um, they ended up going for Island Records, who then agreed to release it in its original format with the missing songs on because three of the songs and three of the best songs Disney and Hollywood Records executives were really unhappy with uh, The Nedding Game right, uh, Under the Moon and Boogie Woogie Woo because they thought they were sexist uh, referencing rape and uh, the slaughter of children <laughs> so, in fact this is how much Disney got involved again even before they were told by the church that but they didn't like it. Uh, you know the song Piggy Pie? Early on in the album, I think. That yeah, one. and again, it was one of the singles. Yes, like, yeah. Um, okay. They actually made them take a whole verse out. So what, it was just left blank? No, and let's re- play the second verse of Piggy Pie. That sounds weird and awkward, that verse, because they were told at the last second, you can't do that, write another verse. Um, it was later released, again, on one of these Forgotten Freshness albums called Piggy Pie Original Lyrics or something. Right. 
Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna recite them for you now. Oh, you fucker! Because they they took this off. <laughs> what? You like my poetry? <laughs> uh, they took it off because it was about killing a policeman. Right. Uh, so body count did cop killer though. Yeah. They um. So they changed it to about killing a judge, which doesn't make much sense. But here we go. The second little piggy, his house was made of brick, and this little piggy was a motherfucking dick. He lays down his rules and reads you your rights in that funny-looking car with the little blinking lights. I drive a Volkswagen Bug 17 deep, packed full of juggalos, lights out, and we creep to the piggy station and lay on the horn. First piggy out, we blow his lungs out of his uniform. Now they in pursuit like Starsky and Hutched, but there's only two of them, the rest are out to lunch. They call up Dunkin' Donuts to gather up the rest, 25 piggies with their bulletproof vests. We lead them in a chase, they busting off rounds, but now they all fucked cause we at the carny grounds. And they getting swallowed by their very own greed, dark carnival and wicked clowns because we need three little piggies to make a piggy pie. Brilliant. And they took that out. I don't know what year Cop Killer was, because it's still not on Spotify. Um, so, but that's far more offensive. <laughs> no, I, don't, I just don't get, like, all the censorship around rap at the time. Like, when, when like, with movies and things, even in the 70s and the 80s, you could see so much, and there, but there was so much graphic content. And yet here... It's just words. I don't get it. And it's being silly at the end of the day, isn't it? And saying and clown posse aren't like NWA, who actually had guns and did kill people. You know, Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope never really sort of ran into someone's house and chopped them up with an axe. Well, that's it. It's this is it's more Hellraiser. It's more cartoony or Nightmare on Elm Street rather than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which could be yeah. sort of real. Do you know what I mean? That's a good analogy. Um, it, uh, right, I got a song called What is a Juggalo? That is the best song on the album. Right. I listened to this album several times. I'm glad I got this song because I feel at this point it's their most pro song that I've heard. And it sort of encapsulates everything about the band that you would want. If you were going to put one song forward at this point... It's got to be that. Yeah, if someone said, show me the insane clown posse song, that that's what they're about, that is what I'd give them. Because it's, it's got such a good groove to it. Uh, and it just displays that we don't give a fuck comedy attitude. And the flow, finally, finally, the flow isn't like just complete horseshit. They've got some like step you know, there there is there is yeah, it's quite snappy and witty, isn't it? It's witty's going a bit far, no, but it it's uh, it's got it's got vigor to it. Like it, there is something about it. If I was like uh, a kid and I heard that on the radio, even with all the bleeps or whatever, but I heard it, and then you've got bloody uh, what who Linkin Park or someone or Papa Roach or whatever it is, like I'd be like, no, oh, do you know what? I'm going, I'm going for that. So, as I say, I'm coming around a bit. To me, this song's like sounds like two people who are really fucking enjoying themselves and reveling in their own mythos as well. What is a juggalo? Let me think for a second. Oh, he gets butt naked. 
And then he walks through the streets winking at freaks With a two-liter stuck in his butt cheeks What is a juggalo? He just don't care He might try to put a weave in his nut head Cause he can give a fuck less what a bitch thinks He tell him that a butt stinks and all that What is a juggalo? He drinks like a fish And then he starts hugging people like a drunk bitch Next thing he's picking fights with his best friends Then he starts with the hugging again But also, having that self-deprecating humour as well. Was this a successful album? This was, yeah, the the big one for me. Uh, I'm just going to have a quick scope on Wiki. While you're scoping on Wiki, uh, the group started recording this album in 96, and obviously they had to think of a name. Violent J came up with the title The Great Milenko. Um, he'd always liked the ring name of the professional wrestler, Dean Simon, which was Dean Malenko, because uh, he felt that the name Malenko had like a carnival sound to it. Believing that he had created the name himself, Violent J later found out that he had unwittingly used the nickname of Dean's father, Boris the Great Malenko, who was also a wrestler. That's good. I like that. That's coming. That's going back to like our old facts. You're just dishing <laughs> that one out. Uh, here we go. So this is their bloody hell. Okay, this is their only album that did over a million, and it not just did over a million. So the first one somehow has got five hundred thousand. That's gold. Well, it's been repressed. And yeah, I guess. Stuff. Second one, Ringmaster Gold, Riddlebox Gold, and then Great Malenko's gone platinum with one point seven million. Uh, the Amazing Jekyll Brothers, the one we're going to cover next week, also got over a million. But that's it. It drops completely off after that. Weird. Yeah, that was their, their height, wasn't it? And now it's like gone back to being a more underground thing. Did you... Uh, so you were getting into them at this point, yeah? You were you were having all the CDs. You were going into the shops, buying all the back catalogue as well. Yeah. Um, okay, there we go. So we've done Riddlebox... You've heard some tracks from that. You've heard some tracks from The Great Malenko, where Daniel entered. Uh, I think next week we're going to find where Daniel left, because um, I don't think he's kept up with them. Uh, you haven't got a 17 Insane Clown Posse's uh, albums in your jacket, have you, Dan? Um, even if I did, I probably wouldn't have told you about them, because I know you'd have just taken the piss out of me. No, I'm not like that. Yeah, there's lots I haven't heard of the newer ones, but I did listen to one... Wow, William was still at play school, so it must have been like two or three years ago when they finally re- revealed what they've been waiting to reveal, what the Dark Carnival is, what the end is, and they started singing about God. Oh, yeah, the Christianity stuff. Yeah. Wow. I need to look into that, because I don't know whether that was like a joke. And there was also the period with homies. Do you remember that? Right. Homies, homies. It was when you were living with me. And it was like an MTV and song, and it wasn't very sweary or anything. And it was like proper, like a, their attempt at going mainstream, I think. Well, what we'll do, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll do the next two albums and then we'll do a little wrap up uh, at, at the end. Because uh, I've got to admit, people out there, I'm not, I'm not into this one. I've really tried, and I think that I've already got to their peak. 
next week will tell. Um, thanks for listening. We are Different Times, the podcast. You've been listening to Shaggy to Dan and Violent Paul. Um, I have one thing to say before Daniel gives us his final words, and that is uh, I found out what it does. Like, So if you, it doesn't matter who downloads it, how many people, whatever, but if you go onto iTunes, Apple, and then give us a, a rating, uh, a decent rating, a five-star rating, and a nice comment, then it does go uh, a long way towards like uh, putting us in the uh, sort of found things when you're looking for random words and things. So do that. Do us a favour. Do it. I really appreciate it. And of course, I'll call call it out and I'll mention your name and we'll probably just be mean to you. So, yeah, thank you, Dan. Final words. Uh, yeah, we need to say thank you to whoever sent you this big box of Kerrangs as well. I've turned up and I'm like, oh, you're having a clear out? And it's like, no, some awesome dude. Has just sent us a big box of Kerrangs from like 2005 fish. You said it's very third wave of new metal era. Yeah, they, they range from the year 1999 to about 2005, I think, uh, in total. Uh, it's from the band, uh, a chap called Jake from the band Corbin Dallas. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, lovely. So, Thank you, Jake. Yeah, Jake came uh, came at me on social media and said, I'm getting rid of a load of old Kerrangs. Do you want them? I said, yes. Uh, he said, what's your postcode? Gave him my postcode and my address. And the next day, a big box turned up at my house, full of them. Uh, and I said to him, bloody hell, I thought you were just going to come around and drop some off, not like deliver a whole box. Uh, I said, how much do I owe you? And he said, forget about it. You're doing me a favour. So, Death Truck Mutiny was his band. That was it. Death Truck Mutiny. Now he's in Corbin, Dallas. His name's Jake. Thank you, Jake. Mm-hmm.